0: You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Simpsonville teaching pastor, Jason Thompson. So we're continuing our series today in the book of Proverbs. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 6. And this series is called, You Don't Have to Learn the Hard Way. And we're going to be looking at verses 20 through 35 today. And the title of today's message is Playing with Fire. And it is my objective to convince you and me to stop playing with fire. So you'll have to tell me afterwards how convincing I was. All right, so let's look at verse 20 i going to break it down. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you wake, they will speak to you. And so this is a common motif throughout Proverbs where Solomon is like, listen, my son. Follow my instructions. If you'll do this, you'll thrive. This is the way of wisdom. And it's, this, is, this is a truth. Godly instruction can protect us, all right? Godly instruction can protect us. This is why it is vital that we as parents and we as the older generation speaking to the younger generation are willing to be proactive with our instruction, Sitting them down and sharing truth with them. Being specific about the pitfalls that life will put in front of us. The things that will for sure occur in our life that we need to avoid. Unfortunately, we are much more likely to be reactive and we see youth make mistakes. And we're like, what'd you do that for? That was so foolish. And then we say, this is how you should have done it, which is helpful, but it have been much more helpful if they received that instruction on the front end and were able to avoid the hard things of life. This has been a burden on my heart recently. Uh, my oldest son doesn't know this yet, but there is a, a talk coming because he is entering the high school world, all right? And I'm just thinking back to my high school days and all the stupid mistakes I made. And I'm like, I, I know what he's gonna face. I know the peer pressure he's going to encounter. I don't want him to make the same stupid mistakes. Maybe, maybe if I sit him down and share exactly what's going to happen when he's faced with those things, maybe he won't make all of them like I did, right? And so we have to pass along our our wisdom to the next generation. Let's keep reading. For this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the correction and instruction are a way to life. All right. And now for the rest of this chapter, Solomon is going to focus on one particular sin that he's challenging his son to avoid. Please, please avoid this. Keeping you from your neighbor's wife and from the smooth talk of a wayward woman. Now let's... Let's just go ahead and put both sides on the table, okay? Solomon is focusing on his son, avoiding the embraces of an adulterous woman. But let's be honest, there are just as many adulterous men, right? There are just as many men out there trying to seduce women that are married, just as, as married women or women are trying to seduce married men. And so let's your heart after her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyes, for a prostitute can be had for a loaf of bread, but another man's wife preys on your very life. Now, some of you may be thinking, a prostitute goes for a loaf of bread? That seems awfully cheap. Like, what's going on here? All right? Don't be sidetracked by that, all right? that it is it, it is awfully, it does seem awfully inexpensive, but bread back then, especially a loaf of bread, could help feed a family. It was much more valuable about then. But even then we're talking like in modern terms, $20, $50. He's like, is Solomon promoting prostitution here? Like what's he doing here? No, he is not condoning prostitution. So don't don't let that be your takeaway, all right? But what he is saying is he's comparing the two and he's saying "Mm, going with a prostitute is a much wiser decision than the alternative because the alternative there might be a vengeful spouse who's willing to kill over what you've done. Don't put your life in your hands this way. And I would say it's not just a, a physical death that, you're, that you should be worried about. There's also a spiritual death alluded to in scripture when it comes to adultery. And if you look over through the entire book, it's kind of weird how often adultery is mentioned. It's Ten, way, way more times than any other sexual sin. It's talked about over and over again. If you look back at, at, at the law too, it does list a whole bunch of sexual sins, but in the 10 commandments, there is only one sexual sin mentioned. Have you ever thought about that? Does that has it that ever bothered you or seemed weird to you? The only sexual sin. Now, you would think there's all kinds of other sexual sins that are just as bad or even worse. Why does God focus on that one most important things if you want to align with my heart and my character you will refrain from these things because I am the opposite of these things and one part of his character is that he is faithful he is forever faithful we can always depend on him he is never going to leave us never forsake us he is always devoted to us and he wants us to be devoted to him He gave us the beautiful gift of marriage as a representation of the kind of relationship, the intimacy he wants with us. He wants a a completely devoted relationship where there is no other gods competing for our heart, just as there should be no other women or no other men competing for the heart that should only belong to our spouse. And so this is is why he is saying this is a big deal. All right, let's keep reading. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes? Can you scoop a flame into your chest and expect not to get burnt? Can you walk across hot coals? No, you are going to get burnt. And I don't know what, we, we have this fascination, especially young people, we have a fascination with playing with fire. And uh, probably the most egregious example that I, can, I have personally witnessed of this is I had a good friend who lived up the street from me years ago who decided it was a good idea to learn how to breathe fire. So one day he came down to to my house and he's like, "Well, you wanna see something cool? I was like, yeah, sure. And he had a bottle of grain alcohol and he had a blowtorch. And he says, watch this. And he he took a swig and into the flame and a fireball just flew out. I mean, it was just like you would see at a circus. And I was like, okay, that was pretty cool. And I was like, like, uh, but I was like, Man, I, I don't know if that's such a good idea. Like, aren't you afraid you're gonna get burnt? He's like, Nah, nah. I've been working on it all day. I think I've got down pat. It's no problem. I was like, <laughs> Okay, but just for the record, I'm saying this is a bad idea. So fast forward. I, I want to say it was the very next night, and uh, apparently he was practicing his new skill. All right. And as he was doing it over and over again, just a little bit of the alcohol was trickling down his throat. But remember, this is grain alcohol at about 190 proof. So it didn't take much before he was pretty inebriated, right? And so his, his blowing out became more and more like sputtering. Like, all right, all right? And, to, and so he was starting to get it all over his face. And which would just make him giggle even more. It was even funnier. It was off or whatever. He's like, this is so cool, right? And so he does it one final time. And it, he really just went, and it just, it didn't go. The flame did not go out very far before it came back and lit his face on fire. The good news is, is that it was, it didn't burn his face super bad. Because it was, it was burning out from the alcohol, out from his face. The bad news is he immediately on instinct, tried to put it out with his hands and he burnt them very badly. So I get this knock late at night at my door and I open the door and here's my friend with this shiny red face and no eyebrows <laughs> with his hands held up and second degree burns. He's like, help me. And I was, I was like, what are you doing? Why, why this was so avoidable. But I mean, I could throw myself on the bus too. I've done stupid things with fire. My parents can't attest to this. Like my dad put in brand new carpet in a house when I was about 11 or 12. He was so proud of this carpet. It was supposed to be indestructible, like super stain resistant, super durable. But one day I had a lighter and I, I had a uh, paper towel and I thought, it would be cool to see one come together with the other. And just I just wanted to see a little flame, right? It was just no big deal. It's like two weeks after you installed this carpet. And so I I watched it and I was like, okay, it's time to blow it out. And so I I blew on it, but it didn't go out. It just kind of went faster up. And so I did what all good older brothers would do in this situation is I handed it to my younger brother. So he was the one (laughs) that was responsible for it. And he panicked and just dropped it on the carpet And let me say that carpet was not indestructible, okay? So it melted a black spot that lived there to, you know, for the next 20 years. And so we got in big trouble. But why? Why? Why do we play with fire? Messing around with any path that could take you down to the path of adultery is playing with a red hot fire. In today, in today's world, it is so easy to go down that path. There are all kinds of apps and social media that can trip you up, that are geared, the algorithms are geared to take you down a path towards sin and towards adultery. And you see, oh, look, there's an old friend, old girlfriend, boyfriend. I haven't talked to them in a while. I'll just say hi. I'll just do a friend request. I'll just say hi. Then you're you're just catching up. And it's like, oh, they're in town. Well, we'll just catch up in person for a little while. No big deal. One thing leads to another. You form an emotional affair, and then you perform a physical affair. It happens again and again and again. Or there's pornography, which is rampant across the culture, all cultures, across all age demographics. And you think... It's, it's a victimless sin, all right? It's, it's, just, it's just within my eyes. I'm just watching. I'm not doing anything. But that's a lie from the pit of hell. You are doing something to your psyche, to your spiritual states, to your relationships. Pornography is a gateway drug. Like, literally, what it does to rewire the mapping of your mind and the releasing of endorphins and all and serotonin and dopamine and oxytocin and all these things that are bonding you to those images and urging it to go to go further and further and deeper and darker it's dangerous one thing leads to another and then soon you're you're interacting with webcams and then you're chatting with someone who's not your spouse and then, it, then it's going to apps where you can get meetups. It's a dangerous path that leads to destruction and destroys your relationship with people, with your wife, with your family, and with your God. Or maybe the fire that you're playing with is at work or the gym. And you're just saying hi. Yeah, maybe you're going a little bit out of your way to say hi, you're just saying hi, and then you're just catching up, just being friendly. And then, okay, maybe you're being a little flirtatious, but just harmless workplace flirtation, no big deal. But then you're getting it back, and it just feels so good to be flattered that way, and you're getting your emotional needs met, and so then you start confiding in this person, sharing your problems and your struggles, then you're sharing your marital problems with this person, developing those attachments until it leads to destruction. And Solomon is saying, don't do it. Don't play with fire. You have no idea the harm that you're going to cause. Let's keep reading. So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he is starving. Yet if he is caught, he must pay sevenfold, though it costs him all the wealth of his house. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. Blows and disgrace are his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. For jealousy arouses a husband's fury. And he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will not accept any compensation. He will refuse a bribe, however great it is. Now, I I can tell you, I can identify with the feelings that are communicated here in this end of this passage. I've I've told you guys many times before, uh, my first marriage ended in divorce. Um... She fell in love with, with an actual friend of mine, a married friend of mine, and, and decided to do life with him instead. But I, I have rarely shared how I first knew for sure. There were, there were warning signs. I was starting to become very suspicious. I had found a couple things that, that made me think that she was having an affair. But when I actually found out, very vividly, it was a, it was a Saturday night, I was, I was playing in a volleyball tournament. I, I played uh, two-on-two sand volleyball very competitively. Played in a bunch of cash tournaments all over the southeast. There was actually a tournament in town here, a big one, and I was playing in this. And, and my wife had started developing, at the time, had to tar- to started developing a habit where I would commit to a volleyball tournament, and then at the last second she was like, hey, I'm going to go see my parents in Georgia, which was really just code for I'm going And another one had walked by and he seemed bothered by it. And he came to me afterwards and said, hey, I just want you to know, you are right. I've actually seen them together several times. And so I I can't even describe the emotional distress of that. Like I was like unhinged and I immediately, I wanted to kill. And I, I, I drove straight home. I looked up on the internet trying to figure out where they went for the weekend to see if they had researched anything. And sure enough, like, there was a bunch of stuff about Table Rock, and they had researched maps and that kind of stuff. And so I was like, I- I'm going to Table Rock. And I'm le- I'm, I-, I, didn't even, I didn't have a gun, thankfully, at the time. But I was like, what do I have? And I was like, the only thing that I had was like a-, a missionary friend of mine had brought back like a machete from Nicaragua. And so I was like... I've never used it, but here, here, throw it in the car. And I had a baseball bat, so I threw that in the car. I was like, well, I'm gonna find these guys. And, and out of the blue, like my two, uh, like my best friend showed, wasn't gonna do anything stupid. And so we hop in the car, we drove up to Table Rock. I searched every single vehicle in the parking lot, weren't there. Turns out the last second they decided to go somewhere south instead, thankfully. And, and I, I know God would have protected me no matter what, just because he, he's been so faithful and so good to me. But that was my natural reaction to finding out and it's a lot of people's natural reaction. It's a reason why it's in Proverbs, it's proverbial. This is the common, this is the wisdom of the generations. He's saying, don't you know that you are putting your life in danger? If you live in America, you are living in a relatively very safe place, all right? It is highly unlikely that your your life is gonna end in a brutal murder, all right? But if you commit adultery, you increase the odds significantly. Yeah. Have you the murder? Or even worse, it's the person committing adultery that doesn't want to do a divorce and split half their income, and so they're planning the murder. It's like, what is going on? It is dangerous in so many ways, and it's not just like, oh, I might get murdered. You are also causing all kinds of physical harm to your body. The stress of an affair, it's unbelievable i mean people start losing hair they start developing ulcers they become paranoid and suspicious themselves which is ironic all right and then but they continue down a path where they just get meaner and they start dealing with the depression and, and all kinds of, and, and you just, you lose your identity because before you think you're, you're a relatively good person. But as you're living under that cloud of suspicion and you're doing that, that affair, you, you have trouble seeing yourself as a good person and it just, it changes who you, how you see yourself altogether. And by its very nature, an affair demands, if someone's whole personality changes, you can bet That something like this is going on. It changes you. And then it's not just the physical and the emotional struggles that you're dealing with, but then it's for sure spiritual. I mean, how do you read the Bible? Every time you go to the Word, the Holy Spirit's convicting you. So you read less and less. Every time your prayer, they have to become ritualistic prayers because if you give it any pause and actually listen to God, all he's saying is make this right. And then going to church is laborious because God forbid some pastor gets up there and starts talking about Proverbs six or something else and then you feel convicted. And so again and again and again, you just feel beat down. And so out of necessity, You have to harden your heart, harden your heart towards your spouse, your family. And I want to be clear that this message is not intended for those who have committed adultery in the past and repented. I'm I'm not even really, I'm not trying to speak to you. And I hope that none of, no shame rests on your shoulders. If you are a child of God who has come to repentance, then you are, you're fully redeemed, you are sanctified, you are made right with God, and that shame is not supposed to rest on your shoulders. What you're supposed to do is let that go, and only bring it up when it's useful for God's glory. All right? You, you are not that person anymore. You are transformed, you are made right with God, and he can use you in great and mighty ways. Look at scripture. He loved to use people you wouldn't expect. Abraham committed adultery. Everyone knows that King David committed adultery, and he used King David before and after he committed adultery. And I look at the woman at the well, and we don't know exactly why she had five ex-husbands, but she went through five divorces and was living with someone at the time, which was scandalous. And Jesus says, you're the perfect candidate to evangelize this city. He went out of his way to meet with her. Paul went around and gathered Christians up and tried to get them killed and did get them killed. He can use anyone. Look at at me. I am a twice-divorced pastor. I've never even heard of a twice-divorced pastor. Like, I'm sure there's somewhere in the world there's one out there, but I've never heard of him and I've never met him, all right? It doesn't make any sense that God would want to use me, but all that it takes is for you to get your heart right and say yes to God. And so if you have gotten your heart right and you've said yes to God, let your past go. It's not important unless it's useful for testimony's sake and, and, and giving God glory. This is also a message that's not really meant for anyone that is currently in adultery, although I do feel compelled to say you have two options. The first and best option is to confess it immediately. Start the healing process now and we have a good God who is willing to immediately forgive you like the prodigal son just run towards you and wrap you in his arms and start that healing process. But I I will be up front, it is going to be miserable for you for a while because the repairing of the human relationships is going to be much harder but it is the only way to get to the other end where you can once again experience the peace and joy that comes from Jesus Christ and a healthy relationship with the Father and a healthy relationship with your spouse. The alternative is you continue to hide it and harden your heart more and more day by day, descend further into darkness until you bottom out. Walk away from the faith, walk away from your family, There's no end to the level of darkness that you can descend to if you continue to harden your heart that way. It's not worth it. And you have the added benefit if you're willing to confess it, you get a big head start on building trust again. If you're caught, there will always be a doubt whether you're just doing the right thing because you got caught or because you truly want to do the right thing. But if you confess and repent on your own, then you're showing that you are trying to make things right and you're trying to do it right. So I want to challenge you, do it right. Now, this message is intended for all of us, me included, who continue to play with fire. It's like we pick up a hot coal and just try to play hot potato with it. Like, look, look, isn't this cool? And look, if if it doesn't rest long enough on my skin, I'm not going to get burnt. I can keep this up all day, but you can't eventually you will get burned. And if it falls into your lap, that that flame of fire falls into your lap, you're gonna get just gulfed in flames and you'll start burning up everything around you too. You'll take down your spouse, you'll take down your kids. Don't even go down that path. Don't even start. Be like our heavenly father who is faithful, forever faithful. And when we mess up, it's okay, but we have to run back to the Father. Follow what is, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 when it comes to sexual sin. He says, Flee, run. There is nothing else like sexual sin. And you're like, Why? Why is sexual sin a bigger de- deal than these other sins? It's because the way God designed our bodies, sex was designed to bond us with a person physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually all the endorphins that are kicking in, everything that's going on in our, in, with our bodies and our minds and our spirits is meant to join us to that other person. So when we go and join ourselves to another person, we are creating a schizophrenic mentality, a schizophrenic spirituality. We are bonding ourselves to somebody else and it, you can't bond yourself to two different people in that way. Not to God and not to your spou- spouse and other people. And so Paul is saying, run for any kind of sin that does that. It's too dangerous. And so I mean that quite literally. And so my last point is, is put down the hot coal. But I want to take it beyond that. Don't just put it down for a second. Run away from the fire. Go the opposite direction. Don't just stop doing what you're doing. Run the opposite direction. It's not okay to stop flirting. No, no, put up a huge wall and complete boundary around anyone that you're attracted to that you shouldn't be attracted to, all right? Don't just stop looking at pornography. Look at, stop looking at anything that's gonna lead you to lusts. If you have to take the internet off your phone, then do it. I mean, take radical steps to prevent you from going down this pathway, because it is not worth it. I say these things in love. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself. We all need to take this seriously and be faithful and be trustworthy and be true like our Heavenly Father. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, I, I'm, I'm thankful for your godly instruction. I'm thankful that you've just laid it out so clearly. Right path. And I pray that we will be a church that will listen to your instruction on the front end, that we will not have to listen the hard way or find out the hard way. I pray that we will be a church that is devoted to being holy and pure as you have called us to be holy and pure and faithful and true to our spouses, to our family, to our church, and most importantly to you. Guard our hearts, guard our minds draw us ever closer to you so that we are strong enough to resist temptation and all the attacks of the enemy. I pray these things in your holy and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Church, thank you so much for joining us today. We will have the prayer team down here as always. Church, we love you and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church